You can tell the goofy ones from the serious ones there. (laughs) We welcome you, one and all. Thanks for joining us. One time a year we get to come together. All three campuses join together as one church, one location, one unified service. So thank you for coming. I'd like to begin by reading from the Old Testament book of Exodus. Moses uh, is leading the children of Israel to fight the Amalekites. And uh, here's what was happening. Moses was up on top of the hill overseeing the battle. And as long as Moses held high the staff of God, the children of Israel were winning the battle. And whenever his arms dropped, uh, the Amalekites had the advantage. Verse 12, Moses arms soon became so tired he couldn't hold them up, so Aaron and Hur found a stone for Moses to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Moses needed Aaron and Hur to come alongside and literally physically hold his arms up high. Moses needed help. The children of Israel needed one another to get the victory. And here's the point. We need each other too. Uh, Church located in East Jordan, East Jordan Community Church, Lanson Community Church, Walloon Lake Community Church, we come alongside each other and help. These last two years, we've been holding each other up quite a bit. (laughs) COVID challenges we've navigated, my four eye surgeries this last year, Pastor Jason's gastrointestinal struggles, Pastor Andy's uh, voice trouble, Papa Joe's surgeries. Uh, We've been doing a lot of holding each other's arms up in recent days. And I would argue that's the beauty of one church in three locations. We're, we're here for each other. We have been. We will continue to be. Um, we're on the same team pulling, cheering on each other, helping each other come alongside as needed and necessary. So we've been doing that, but we're also putting together a plan preparing for what's next. And here's what's interesting. We actually started working on this the year before COVID began. So we've been working on this uh, coming on three years, developing a discipleship path and core values. So in case you didn't notice, I invited this team of uh, Joshua and Aaron and her and Moses and him. um, (laughs) And we're going to share with you some more and talk through this plan and hopefully it'll begin to stick, okay? So uh, I assume you got one of these blue sheets. It's now time to grab one of those blue sheets. We're going to talk this through with you and uh, the the staff up here with me, these friends of mine, we're going to talk this through. Pastor Chad, our administrative pastor here, uh, you led the charge here. You uh, herded the cats, um, developing the discipleship path and core values. Why is this needed? Why is this necessary? 
Sure. Well, maybe before we I get into just a direct answer on that, I'm going to do a little experiment here. So I'm going to ask you guys a minute. I want you to point in just a moment, but what is the best way to exit the building from the platform here? Ready, set, go. All right. This is the leadership of your campuses. It's right here. Okay. You know, and what we're... None of those were wrong answers. We would all get out of the building, right? But there might be a, a little bit of chaos that ensues in getting everybody out. And, you know, what we are finding is just that, that even ourselves and, and some of you's leadership, when trying to guide people in a, a discipleship path and what's next in their life, in their walk with Jesus, we were tending to give different answers. Not wrong answers, but just different answers and kind of all over the place, we were finding. And... You know, the bottom line is that it takes a good plan to have a great result a lot of times. And we see this even at the very beginning of the Bible when we look at how God unfolded creation. He had a plan. He had a plan in mind. You know, and that plan, that the gem of creation was to create something, somebody, a human being in his image to have a relationship with and we'll look at that. Let's look at that a moment here in Genesis 1. I think it'll probably go up on the screen here, but I'm going to read it, and you can follow along. You know, this is, this is God describing what he was after. And then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Now when you think about this was coming into day six of creation, Think for a moment on those first five days. And when he started with one, and it was good, day two spoke, and it was good. Those days were all unfolding and building on each other, setting the stage for the next day that he had in mind. He had a plan unfolding. He knew he had to create a home for the human being to live in and to thrive in. And so God had a plan, and he, and he got to the human, he said, it's very good. He got to the very good piece of his plan, but he had a plan to get there that was good. So just like with the Lord, we have to have a plan as well, too, in our orga organization and our structure, things we do. You know, to operate just haphazardly, it's really hard to get things of value to come out of that. So that really is what we're after. And... You know, we have a goal as a church, as all our campuses. It's our mission statement. Our mission statement is Jesus commands us to make disciples. Disciples love Jesus, love others, and serve the world. That is the goal of our campuses and the ministry. We need a good plan to help reach that goal and maximize the effect of it for everyone. And even now, more so with three campuses, we've realized... We've got to get on the same page better and just get a path better together to help keep directing all of us in the same direction and to really help us along the ministry path. So that, that's 
The long answer to why we created, I feel, narrowed down our core values and our ministry path. Thank you, Pastor Chad. Appreciate that. Thank you for, for leading us. Uh, again, it was a long road, but we made it. So thank you. Uh, second question to Pastor Brandt, our current student uh, pastor, creative pastor, online pastor, and coming into this year, our teaching pastor as well. Um, this is uh, core values on your blue sheet. Um, what are core values, Pastor Brandt, and why do they matter? Um, it's one thing to know the mission, and that's a very important thing. It's another thing to accomplish that, right? We will never last long in accomplishing our mission until we've become intentional about fostering a culture here in this church family, in our, in our community. And so until we're clear on what the values are that we embody and that drive everything here as a church, it's going to be very hard to know what our culture is, to be there on purpose. We're, we have a culture. The question is, do we want to get there on purpose or not, right? And so when you think about coming up with a, a, a way to, to accomplish our mission, you can come up with an important strategy, which we're going to talk about in a moment, and it is important. But it's never going to be effective until there is a culture of who we are and who we're becoming that we're very intentional about fostering here in our community. In other words, I've heard it said this way, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Who we are will be far more effective in uh, helping us become who we're supposed to be than, than all the helpful strategies that we put together. And so what I want to do is describe really quick six values that shape everything about the culture here at our church. Who we are and who we're striving to become. The first one is this, that Jesus is our everything. Now, I hope you're saying, duh. <laughs> Otherwise, this may not be the church for you. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Jesus is the one we talk about the most, the one we lift the highest, the one we point people to the most. Why? Well, think about this. If you have your Bible, open to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and then we're going to read the first four verses here. It says, since you've been raised... To new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, here it is, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world. You're going to share in all his glory. And I love that. It says, Jesus Christ, who, who is your life. Jesus is our life. And here in this church, he's everything to us. He's the one we talk about the most. He's the one we lift the highest. He's the one we point people to the most. Jesus is our everything. The second value that drives who we are and who we're striving to become is this, that prayer is our power. In fact, if you were lurking, looking for one of us this morning and you couldn't find us, we were actually all praying together uh, all by ourselves. Like One of the things that is so important to us is that we will seek God in our gatherings, in our decisions, and in our private lives. Prayer is our power, and this is such an important thing to us. Um, think about this. When we pray, we are inviting heaven's resources to intervene in our temporary earthly situation. And because heaven's resources are unlimited, because what God has the ability to do has no limit, 
we're inviting the all-powerful God into this present circumstance and asking him to do something we could never accomplish alone. Prayer is our power. And so when we pray, we're drawing power from God. In fact, think about this. We are not the most powerful when we're standing in our own strength against somebody else or even standing in our own strength with somebody else. We are the most powerful when we are on our knees before God. That is where the power comes from. And that's why I think the Apostle Paul writes it so specifically in Ephesians 6.18. He says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So what does that look like for us specifically? We're going to seek God in our gatherings and in our decisions and in our private lives. Prayers are power. The third value that we hold is this, that family is our framework. Okay, turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to have to bounce around a little bit here. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse um, 19. The Apostle Paul is writing to Gentile Christians who have now joined the church. He says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. You're citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are, together we are a house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And through him, you Gentiles are being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. God has specifically designed the church, our church, to be a place where we are molded and shaped into the likeness of Christ as we interact together and we do life together. So much so that the Apostle Paul actually refers to the church as God's family. We're, we're united together in, in such a unique way that it's really only possible to describe it as a family. And so think about this. No matter how much somebody irritates you, and often they're the person sitting next to you, no matter how much somebody irritates you, you belong together as a family for the rest of your life. Good news! <laughs> and God did that on purpose. Why? why? Why would God do that? Think about this. There are characteristics of Jesus that you will never develop if you only are ever associating with people who make you feel good. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, come on. You won't become like Jesus unless somebody next to you is imperfect. And that is on purpose. God designed you and you and you and you to interact together in this body. Family is our framework. We think together like a family. This is how we operate. Um, we function like a family and, and think about this. We grow better together. We do. We grow better together. The fourth value that we hold is this, that scripture is our source. Scripture is our source. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, the Apostle Paul writes this. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what's true, make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses scripture to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Here at this church, we are boldly going to claim this. That the Bible is the very word of God. It's his primary revelation to mankind. And as such, God's word is inspired, it's inerrant, and it is the final authority in our lives. 
This is what we hold to here at our church. All other authorities in our lives are subservient to this authority over us. Okay? So we find our solid foundation on the word of God. It's the source of our life. It's the source of our protection. It's the source of our stability. It's the source of our revelation. It's the source of our vision. Scripture is our source. That's why we say the Bible is the foundation for everything that we teach and we preach and we practice. Okay, scripture is our source. The fifth value that we hold on to is, I love this, it's, it's love is our lifestyle. Love is our lifestyle. I want you to turn to 1 John. You need to, you need to see this. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to start right in verse uh, 7. The Apostle John writes, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. Why? Because love actually comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And then this is where it gets personal. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. Here at this church, this is a big value that we cling to, we even aspire to, that love is our lifestyle. Get this, here, in this building, in this community, in this family, we will share with others what we've received from Jesus. That's it. Are we going to do it perfectly? Absolutely not. There's a lot of ways that we can improve. Absolutely. But I need you to hear this. In this church, love is our lifestyle. Okay? It's not an optional choice. It's not an occasional habit. It's a lifestyle for us. The final value that we hold is this, that outreach is our objective. Outreach is our objective. Why? Because lost people matter to Jesus, y'all. I hate to say it to you, but lost people are going to matter to us too. Lost people matter to Jesus, so lost people matter to us. If you've, if you've read through Luke chapter 15, this is how it starts off. It starts by describing how tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to Jesus to listen to him teach. There was something attractional about Jesus to people who didn't know him. And it goes on to say, man, the religious people actually got quite upset that, that there was so much sinfulness hanging around Jesus because they were just attracted to him. And the rest of Luke 15 goes on to describe God's overflowing heart for lost people to come and find a home in his love. Lost people matter so much to Jesus that he gave up the glories of heaven and he sacrificed a reputation among mankind to make humans aware that they could be loved and wanted and known by the God of the universe. In fact, lost people so matter so much to Jesus that he drained every last drop of his blood to rescue and redeem them. Matthew 16 actually goes on to describe how Jesus gained a reputation of being a, quote, friend of sinners. Matthew 16, 19. Jesus was known by a lot of people as a friend of sinners. And this is why we say this in our church, that lost people matter to Jesus, so they're going to matter to us. Outreach is our objective okay so just point of review jesus is our everything prayer is our power family is our framework scripture is our source love is our lifestyle 
and outreach is our objective. This is who we are, and this is who we're striving to become. These are our values. Well explained. Thank you, Pastor Brandt. So that's our foundation. Now uh, take your blue sheets, flip them over, and uh, I'm going to turn to Pastor Jason Ritchie, our East Jordan campus pastor for over 10 years. Wow. Ten, where did that? 10 years. Yeah. Agree. So you're going to explain the top uh, half of that chart. New here, next steps, and come. So take it away. Well, I've got to say, if uh, you were wondering about the wisdom of asking five pastors to preach one sermon, and you're wondering if you're going to get out by noon in time for lunch, or even three o'clock for the football game, um, I don't know. I can tell you we're about halfway there. I was given eight minutes. Time me. By now, you've probably realized we're doing something new here. And since Scripture is our source, I hope that you're also asking at some point, is this new thing biblical? If it's not, why would we be doing it? And if it is, why weren't we always doing it all along? Well, the truth is, most of what you're seeing on those two pages in your lap are things that we've been doing, or at least striving to do, for a very long time. Pastor Brandt just shared the biblical foundations for each of our core values. These aren't new. It's who we are. It's who we've always striven to be. We're just providing the clarity by listing and describing them in order to help us be more intentional and together in them and be more consistent in reflecting them. In a minute, Pastor John is going to explain the bottom half of this discipleship path and connecting and contributing and continuing to pursue Jesus Christ as a relationship. These are things that we've taught and encouraged for a long time, and we presented the biblical mandates for them as well. But there are a couple of new things on this chart. That's the top half, the more uh, preliminary steps that we're encouraging people to take in their journey towards Jesus Christ and allowing our church to come alongside them. And if you're thinking, I don't remember new here or next steps as I read the Bible a couple of years ago, take a look at the book of Acts for a moment and consider that Jesus had just made everything new in his new church. Then he returned to heaven and left his followers, his church, his disciples to carry on the mission to make more disciples. He was crystal clear in that mission as well as some commands and some principles for them to follow as they carried out that mission. But for everything else, he promised his Holy Spirit would guide them in keeping with his word and his teachings in order to make creative decisions as leaders, reflecting the creativity that God showed us in creation, as Pastor Chad just reminded us of. And almost immediately, they had to make some complicated decisions, like selecting new leaders. And they had to figure out how to preach in a way people could understand. And they had to come up with ways to relate the clear, true gospel and then give an invitation that would encourage people to respond to it and trust in Christ. They even had to figure out how to handle financial contributions appropriately and distribute them fairly. Talk about a complicated decision to walk through. And in the middle of all of these decisions that the early church had to make, they also had to come up with a new way to incorporate new people into their midst, into their community, the church. Hey, take a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 21 specifically. It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. 
Now, if you've ever read this before, surely you thought, wouldn't that be cool to do in our church, bringing thousands of people to join us? But ask yourself for a minute, how did they do that? What would we do if next Sunday, 750 brand new people to us came to join every one of our four campuses in Walloon Lake, in East Jordan, in Alanson, and in our online campus, all at the same time? What would we do to care for them? And the early church had to figure this out as well. Because as you see at the end of the chapter, incorporating new people into their fellowship became the new normal for them. It was what God expected them to continue to do week after week, and day after day, and month after month, and year after year. And so the early church had to get creative, and they had to make plans to care for them. That's what we did for our church. Because we haven't had a day that I'm aware of where thousands of people came to join us on the same Sunday, but I do know, and we've recognized that every single week, the Lord is adding to our number new people that are coming to enter into our fellowship for the very first time. And we've got to do a better job to care for them. And so, as friendly and welcoming as our regular attenders are, as hard as many of our leaders work to point in the right direction and walk alongside folks that are on their journey together with us, we needed a new plan to help guide people more consistently and effectively on that journey. And so, guided by God's word and his Holy Spirit, we worked hard to come up with and create a path in order to give that clear guidance. And I got to say, just in case you might be thinking that I'm trying to somehow relate us to the power of God, it took God six days to create the entire universe. It took us over two years to create two charts. And yet, we think they're valuable. If you look at that first step there, new here. This is new. And for us, we've designed this event, this time, to help the folks that are new to, God, to our church fellowship to get to know us a little bit. And vice versa. It's a simple, informal meet and greet, a getting to know you experience. And in that, we hope to be able to begin a personal connection with people who have been perhaps sitting in our pews for a day or a month or even longer. It's a starting point. Let me give you an example of what that might look like. Sandy is a courageous lady who went to our very first New Here experience in our East Jordan campus shortly after she started attending with us. Her husband had died not very long before that. And she related to me that it's really hard for her to go to things, even church things, all by herself. Some of you might be able to relate to that feeling. And the time that she spent at New Here allowed her to begin to connect with us. And we kept talking afterwards. That New Here event was the icebreaker that she needed, and we needed to hear her story, and it gave us a chance to do that. I just chatted with her again last Sunday, and she told me that she's starting to feel connected to more folks. She's getting to know other people on a personal level. She's even ministering to our children as she's trying to figure out and embrace this challenging new season of her life alongside the support of her church. For her, it really started with new here. We also noticed that for all the great opportunities that we offer, life groups and Bible studies and ministry teams, it's harder than it should be for people that come to us to figure out which is the best option for them. Next Steps is a plan to help folks find their next step. 
Some are ready to jump right in. John and Wendy, uh, they, that's where they were when they came to us last year. Uh, they'd been involved after relocating from downstate in a church down there that uh, they were all in with. And they couldn't wait to help us here in northern Michigan make disciples amongst our area. And shortly after joining that Next Steps lunch, they began hosting a life group in their home. Uh, Wendy is uh, using her musical gifts on our worship team, and John's helping us with lots of administrative tasks as well. Now, they would have eventually found their way into those roles because they're passionate about using their gifts, but Next Steps happen, happen to help them get there a lot more efficiently and effectively. It would have taken longer for them to find their way into those roles without that lunch. And some people who come to that lunch are in need of a small group of other believers to come alongside them and realize that's their next step, is joining a life group. Still others aren't ready for any of those steps. And so we encourage them to keep coming. The next step on our path is to participate with us in person worship, online, or elsewhere in our ministry lineup. This is biblical too, because when Jesus called his first disciples, he said, come, follow me. And to be sure, when he issued that very first invitation, he already had in mind that later he would send them out and when they were ready to take more steps. But the first step, come, learn to follow me. Philip was one of those early followers. His first step, he came. His second step, almost immediately after, he invited other people, come and see Jesus. And so we do the same. And we invite you and anyone else to come. Just last week, we had our second Next Steps luncheon at EJ, and several people in that group were in different places. Some were ready to serve. Some were ready for a life group. Some weren't ready for either of those steps, and so we invited them to continue to coming and learning and growing until they're ready for other steps. If you're ready to come, we'd love to have you, and we're going to come alongside you and celebrate as you take that step rather than pressure you into something that you're not ready for. That's not the end of the journey. But it's a great place to start and keep going from there. Very well explained. Thank you, Pastor Jason. Well done. To my right, your left, all the way down is Pastor John Jones. And uh, John, for three years, has been our associate and youth pastor at the Alanson Community Church. And starting next Sunday, uh, Pastor John is the new campus pastor at the Alanson Community Church. So again, staying with the chart, bottom of the chart, connect, contribute, continue, uh, explain what are those steps and uh, Pastor John, why are they important? I know if uh, 750 new people came over to Atlanta, and we're going to need a few more services probably to fit them on that right. building. <laughs> um, but like Pastor Jason was saying, we're, we're doing something new here, um, but this part of the discipleship path really isn't all that new to us. I, I think you would agree that life groups, serving in a ministry, uh, making disciples, they're not new concepts, but we've just named these steps, connect, contribute, and continue. Uh, to hopefully help you memorize them, to, to get them to stick, uh, to get them to stand out to you. Um, our discipleship path, if you remember, is our strategy for carrying out the mission. It has to become a tool for all of us to use in our tool belts. Connect, contribute, and continue 
are the final steps to that tool, and they're extremely important steps. Uh, raise your hand if you have a drill back at home. Just give you a hand. All right, there's a lot of us. Now keep your hand up if you don't have any drill bits for your drill. I don't see any hands up. Because everybody knows a drill is useless without drill bits. Well, these steps are the final pieces to your tool. They're the drill bits to your drill that's used for making disciples who love like Jesus. Uh, Pastor Jason, he talked about the 3,000 new, new people that just showed up one day to the early church. 3,000. What are they going to do? How are they going to get all these new people plugged in to the life of the church? Well, we're going to keep looking at Acts 2 in verses 42 through 47. Uh, listen to what happened to the church, to the early church then. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper. These people like to eat. Amen. And shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Did you catch all that? That's a, that's a lot of things. They were doing quite a bit in those five verses. Um, but let me sum it up for you. They became part of a community. They all found a place to connect, which is the next step on our discipleship path. Connect. And it was their devotion to food. I mean, Jesus... <laughs> it was their devotion to Jesus that drove them to overlook their differences, their opinions, the awkwardness of being new, the uncomfortableness, and sit down and just share a meal together. Seriously, there were like four meals mentioned in those five verses. And, and we want for everyone in this room to, to be able to take a part of that, to be able to have that experience, not just a place to grab a bite to eat, which we do have plenty of those, right? Uh, like Red Mesa or Jose's or The Foundry or Bob's Place. Or uh, we're about to go have some pulled pork sandwiches for lunch here in a minute. Um, but we want to see all of you not just have a place to eat, but to consistently surround yourselves with other Jesus followers that you can intentionally live life with. Go deep with. Someone you can discuss a sermon with if you have questions. Someone you can laugh with. Someone you can rely on. And I've said this before, we're created to connect. We're created for connection. And I believe that the best way to do this is by getting involved in a life group, by getting in a life group. Uh, now, uh, we kind of adjusted the way we do life groups, right? We, we've, we've kind of expanded the definition of that. Life groups come in a lot of different varieties. Some life groups are classes, some are age-based, gender-based, uh, some are semester-based short-term groups, and other are long-term groups. A life group is really any group that you can live life with other people. And it might take a few tries to find your group. Uh, I don't know about you, um, but I've, I've been to many different life groups in the past and at churches and, and having to jump around and maybe find the one that's right for me. But that's okay. The goal is just to find a place to connect a group that you can live life with.
In Alanson, we actually just launched our first life group this spring. Uh, we're really excited about it. Here's a picture of some of the people in that life group. Uh, they have around 20 people in the group on a full night. Uh, that's pretty amazing. And let me tell you, these people know how to live life together. If you ask any of them and talk about the life group with, it, with any of them, you'll see a big smile on their face. Uh, they have text messaging uh, groups. They have group texts. They have holiday parties. Uh, they have inside jokes that I don't even understand, like not letting the two Gregs sit next to each other during games <laughs> or something. They live life together, and they share uh, deeply with each other, and they share meals together, and they're just there for one another. That's what this group does. They live life together. Uh, they've really taken time to get to know one another, and whether they always like each other or not, I know that they do care for each other, and they, they're devoted to growing in their life and their faith for Jesus and others. Um, everyone should have people in their life like these people. Uh, people you can truly connect with, people you can look more like Jesus with. And here's another major goal for your life group. Something this group does really well, actually. It should be to encourage each other to find an area to contribute. Finding a ministry to serve in. That's the next step on our discipleship path. Contribute. You see, in the early church, uh, we see that contributing was actually a natural result of being connected. In the early church, some served by teaching, some prepared meals, hosted groups in their home, led worship, and every single one of them were generous with their money, with their gifts, and with their time. And listen up. The church today in 2022 should be the same way. We shouldn't change that. In every season of your life, you've been gifted by the Spirit of Jesus in you to contribute. And we want to help you find where that is. So if we don't use what we learn, if we're not pouring out what we've been filled with, if we're not giving out of the abundance that we've received, we're not only not helping others, but we're not helping ourselves out either. We're stunting our spiritual growth. And spiritual maturity, it isn't measured by how many worship songs you sing or how many church services you attend, but how well you love other people. Let that sink in for a moment. How well you love other people is the measure of how spiritually mature we are, how deep our relationship with Jesus is. Then there's the last step on the path that we want to talk about, and that's continue. And uh, continue sounds very unending, because it is. Uh, continue means we help others follow Jesus. In the, in the last verse of Acts 2, check this out. It says, each day that the early church was connecting and contributing in their communities, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Each day. Not just on Sunday, not just once or twice a week, but when we live as Jesus followers each day, we're on the right path to making disciples. So as we take our next steps, we're not going back with the eraser and erasing or taking a cloth and wiping away the previous steps that we've taken, right? We continue taking steps. We continue on our journey of being and making disciples who love like Jesus. Uh, hear me out. So if you've been coming and connecting and contributing, the challenge for you is this. Don't just show up, put in your time, clock out, and then leave. 
I want to invite you to help create a greater culture of making disciples who love like Jesus by taking the next step of maybe inviting people to come with you to church, come with you to learn to follow Jesus, of maybe starting to help others feel connected, of, uh, of asking people to contribute with you. And here's what will happen if we do that. If we're continually helping others follow Jesus, here's what's going to happen. Listen up. When we take our next steps to connect in a life group, to contribute by serving in a ministry, and to continue helping others follow Jesus, we're going to see more people come to know Jesus. We're going to see Jesus add more and more people to our communities in Walloon Lake, in East Jordan, and in Alanson. Thank you, Pastor John. Explain that well. I uh, have a couple questions to close. Um, how specifically does this discipleship path and the core values, how, how does that have the potential uh, in the years ahead to move us forward in all three campuses? So what, what is the potential here with uh, the core values and the, the discipleship path? I'll speak into that a little bit. Um, it's kind of, I guess, redundant in my brain, but think back to where we started today with the uh, pointing of the directions. And by the way, I was pointing the right way to get out of here. I just want you all to know. But no, I mean it. Oh, whatever. But really, it's, <laughs> you know, it, and it starts with leadership and it, and it starts with all of us in the church. And, you know, paths, paths take us somewhere. And they do. And so for us to, to get on that path, to get unified, one is leadership. So that when we're, we're pointing people at East Jordan campus or Lanson here at Walloon and talking and what's next for me, we're, we're on the same path. Our ministries are tuned to it. And the value of that is wonderful. I mean, we know good things come out of the good plans. So I guess I'm, I'm just repeating myself, but I just, I see the value in us as leadership all the way to you folks, the church, being on the same path. Spiritually, it takes all of us in a direction. Like we've said that all the pieces have been here. We've just tried to do a good job at organizing them better. Yeah, I, that's what's so great about the, the path and the core values that we have. Uh, they're a tool. They help us plan for the future, for moving forward. They help us build our ministries around what actually helps people take their next steps. Uh, it also gives us a, a freedom. If maybe there's something that's not working out so great or isn't as effective, uh, it gives us the freedom to embrace something new, new ideas and methods to help us carry out our mission. Um, we'll be moving forward in our mission because we'll be making disciples better, right? So it's going to be easier for people like our leaders and volunteers to make sure people aren't falling through the cracks or we won't miss someone or we're actually not helping out this new person that walked in feel connected uh, to us. So it's going to be easier for us to help them and it's going to be easier for every follower of Jesus, no matter how far along they are in their walk with Jesus, to build the right relationships that they need for that season, specific season of their life. It'll help them grow in their relationship with Jesus. Uh, instead of 
flooding people like, uh, like, like Sandy or John and Wendy or uh, anyone at Alanson or Walloon or East Jordan, instead of flooding them with a bunch of options and really just uh, leaving them to sort it all out themselves, uh, we're gonna give them one simple step where they'll have time to ask their questions and they'll have time to exercise the faith they need to exercise in that season of their life. Thank you. Final question, we've been talking corporately as a church, uh, but personally as individuals, um, how can these values and this path affect us? How, how, how can they help us to move forward as, as personal followers of Jesus? What do you think? Um, I, th I think if you think about the discipleship path, what it does is it recognizes two things. Oh, at least two things. Um, the first of which is that as we're walking with Jesus, there's always a next step. Right? Like, Jesus doesn't say, like, come sit with me. He says, come walk with me. Come follow me. So as we're, as we're walking with Jesus, there's always a next step. And, and I've been to a lot of churches um, where I got the impression that it was the win. It was a success if I was just there. Like, I just showed up. Good job. Gold star. And I, honestly, I think for some of, for some of us, that is an amazing first step, right? Like, that's where you're at, and you're like, that's stretching you, and, and you're like, I'm, I'm taking the next step to follow you by coming to church every single week, right? For some of you, that's a big deal. Um, and that is so worthy of, of congratulations, because, like, that's the next step. But for a lot of us, that's not actually the next step. We've been sitting on that step for a while, right? And Jesus is going, like, I'm, I'm going somewhere. I want to use you to do something with your life in my kingdom. And it doesn't include just staying comfortable. Hardly ever does advancing God's kingdom stay within our comfort zone. And so, so following Jesus, there's always a next step. I think the other thing that this discipleship path recognizes is that the person next to you might have a different next step than you. Like, you, you might be somewhere different on the path of following Jesus than somebody else would be. And, and like John was saying earlier, we're not just giving you a cookie-cutter, carbon copy, like, everybody gets the same deal. I think what this does is it recognizes, man, like, I can actually take my next step, but I can also help somebody else take their next step. Like, there's another step for somebody else that might be different from my own. And to recognize that each one of us has a part to play, has our own journey, has our own story that God is writing here within our community. Um, we're not just here to be butts in a seat, y'all. Like, this is great. This is not kingdom building. This is just kingdom enjoying. Okay? We're here to do something. We're here to build the kingdom of God together. Um, and we're here to follow Jesus and help other people do that no matter where they're at in their walk with Jesus. And each one of us has a part to play in that. I think that's key. The question was, how is this gonna move us forward as a church and individually? And, and if this isn't biblical and spirit-led, then it's just words on paper. We believe that this is a God-given tool to be used to make us as a church and as individuals more effective in being disciples and making disciples. And the tool is only going to be effective and work if we actually use it. And so I would issue a challenge to each and every one of us, us on stage, everybody in the room, everybody watching online today. Figure out 
what your next step is, and then take it. What is your next step? Where do you fit in this path? Where do you fit in your journey towards Jesus? What do you need to do to take the next step? And perhaps most importantly, will you take that step this year? We'd love to walk with you in that journey. We'd love to come alongside you. And if you can spot the place on this uh, discipleship path that says you are here, we would love to help you figure out what your next step is and take it with you on that journey. Let us know. That's what we're here to do, to walk alongside you. If you're not sure where you are or you have no idea how to use this thing yet, let us know that too. And we'd love to talk with you and maybe explain it another way in order to personalize your next step towards Jesus Christ. And if each of us takes that, just imagine what God might do in our church in 2022 if every one of us gathered here and online today were to take one step closer to Jesus Christ and our path of discipleship. Hmm. Well said. Good challenge. Well, y'all, you survived five preachers, <laughs> one sermon. Well done. Well done. Yeah. And we actually finished pretty close to on time, so that, that's good, too. If you were keeping uh, track, yeah. one minute over, one minute over, Chad right on time, Brant, well, it's really good we gave ourselves 10 minutes of buffer. That's right, that's right, <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I'm pretty sure that's the first time that one word's ever been used in this place, just thought I'd say. Uh, Jason. Close us in prayer, would you? I'd love to. Lord God, we say it all the time. You are God and we are not. This is your church, not ours. And so, Lord, we pray that you would allow us to use this tool to accomplish the mission that you've already been crystal clear on, that you would allow each of us to be benefiting from these tools in order to more consistently reflect what your word says should be the most important things to us. And help us to continue to move forward in our journey towards Jesus Christ. Mm. God, we thank you for your faithfulness over the years and how you've blessed us so many times and been faithful to us when we've been faithful and been faithful to us sometimes when we have not quite been so much. Lord, we pray that as we move forward into a new year, that you would work your mighty power through your Holy Spirit in keeping with the promises of your word to accomplish your plan for your church and allow each and every one of us to be a part of it as we join you on this journey. In Jesus' powerful name, we ask all together and say to you, Amen. Amen.